<clears throat> All right, if you haven't been here um, in a couple weeks, guess what? We are starting a new series tonight. It's called No Filter. And here's my hope for you, students. You ready? Here's my hope for you, is that you would see God's word and you would understand it and be able to apply it to your life in the way that God intended, that there would be no um, <clears throat> personal filters, no, uh, man, preconceived uh, thoughts that, that you would just simply see God's word and, and hear Jesus preaching um, as, as we look at the sermon, as he, as he just throws it out. There's, there's no filter on it. There's no, there's no like fluff around it. And so my hope for the next couple of weeks is just to give it to you straight. Just give it to you like it is. <clears throat> and so I'm gonna encourage you. I'm gonna encourage you like in this moment, um, one, to, if you need to, turn a cell phone on vibrate, on silent, you do that. If you need to move from somebody that might be a distraction, you do that. But then you would just be able to listen. you just be able to hear and understand and comprehend what God is trying to do here. Cool? All right. So let me tell you something real quick, a, a story that's kind of embarrassing. Um, when I was, uh, when I, when I, when my wife actually was turning 25 years old, we, uh, went out for dinner. And I know, right? Like, super sweet. That's great of me. Yes. It was a nice dinner. I set up, um, I set up childcare. I had one, we had one child at the time. Now we have two, but I set up childcare. My son uh, stayed with my parents. We were in Texas at the time. We went and ate at this nice restaurant. Anybody a fan of sushi? Like, yes. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so am I. And so we ate, we ate some sushi. We, uh, like, it was great. It was nice. And so then what our thought was, we'll go see a movie after this. And it'll be like this time away from our kid, just us two, be able to hang out. For the love of all stage lights. <clears throat> all right. <clears throat> yeah, look at that. That works. There it is. All right, so... <clears throat> So check it. So we, we, we go, we eat, we're about to go to a movie and we go check the movies. And of course they don't start for like an hour. And so we're like, man, this is too much time. We were like on a, on a, on a short timetable because our, our kid needed his parents eventually. And we're like, okay, we've got like just a couple of hours and, and it was going to be too long. And so I asked my wife, right? It's her birthday. Hey, what do you want to do? <clears throat> and we were cruising by this Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> okay. And so she said, let's go to Chuck E. Cheese. And I was like, look, I don't know if that's a good idea. And she said, no, no, let's go. And so here's what you got to remember that, that my understanding and my, my memories of Chuck E. Cheese come from when I was 11 years old. And here's what I remember about Chuck E. Cheese. Okay. They have amazing tunnels that climb through the whole... They got skee-ball, they've got, they've got arcades, they've got pizza, they've got the tokens that get you tickets, that get you prizes. <clears throat> Here's my memory of Chuck E. Cheese. Shh. Epic. My memory of Chuck E. Cheese, epic. But I knew like, hey, but I was, I was, I was a little bit younger then, I don't know if I want to go now. And so, <clears throat> but it was her birthday. And so being a good husband, guys, you should understand this. If it's her birthday, you do what she wants. And so I said, okay, let's go to Chuck E. Cheese. 
Let me paint this picture for you real quick. We walk into Chuck E. Cheese. There's one family over here playing on some dinky game. And there's like, and there's like this little kid and the kid's having the time of his life. That's the only other people in Chuck E. Cheese. It's me and my wife and some family not being creepy because they brought a kid. And so it's me and my wife and Chuck E. Cheese. They stamp our hands and I'm like, man, what am I, is this so I can come out with my wife? Like, I don't have a kid. If I walk out with a kid, it's not mine. It's stolen for sure. (laughs) And so I go in and, and I'm thinking like, okay, this is getting a little weird. All right. A lot of these games are for four year olds. And, and so I decided, let me just get some tokens. Look, I got a $10 bill. Hey, if you put a $10 bill in Chuck E. Cheese, you get literally 50 tokens. And can you guess how many tokens each game takes? One, one token, right? I can play 50 games. There's only like 20 games in there. And so I'm like, man, so what do I do? I break every record on every game in that place, right? I'm like, you know what? If I'm here, they're going to know I'm here. This soccer ball kicking game, you best believe I'm going to kick that thing as hard as it takes till I get the record. And then my wife, she said, this is the cutest thing. Let's take a picture in the Chuck E. Cheese photo booth. The problem is the Chuck E. Cheese photo booth is about as big as this speaker, okay? (laughs) And so I'm in the photo booth. My Half my body's hanging out like legit. Like for a moment, I think we're going to call the fire department. I'm not coming out. (laughs) It gets worse. So we get the pictures and I win some tickets, right? Because I'm a good husband and I'm thinking, what do I do with these tickets? Let's bring our son back a prize. And so I take my like 200 tickets. I walk to the Chuck E. Cheese ticket exchanger and literally they give me an eraser and a Tootsie Roll. I was so sad I ate the Tootsie Roll and I gave my son an eraser. (laughs) But here's where it gets bad. There was a 17-year-old giving me my 200-ticket $10 Tootsie Roll prize. And he says, hey, man, what's up? He said, why are you in here? (laughs) And I look at my wife. And I said, man, you got to talk to her. Like, I am not explaining. So, so we left, and, and I left so frustrated. Like, I don't know if you've ever had that moment where you expected something to be so great, and then you walk out so frustrated. Like, it, it, like don't get me wrong. I enjoy hanging out with my wife. But that experience was so bad. Like, we can laugh at it now. Like, it's funny, but it was also super creepy. Maybe the creepiest thing I've ever done. <laughs> No, no tunnels. Hold on, hold on, hold on. And here's what, here's what I know. It's like, it's like my expectations for Chuck E. Cheese were, were super, were super high, way too high. And I walked out of there super disappointing. And here's the issue is that it happens to all of us is that we end up in life having these super high expectations about something. Maybe that expectation is about a relationship. You had an expectation about how a relationship would go or maybe how a class would go. You had an expectation about maybe how this school year would go. Some of you in here, real quick, had expectations about how tonight would go. That we kind of can't help it. 
That it's anything that we experience or we know we are experiencing, going to experience, we begin to form expectations about that thing. <clears throat> and some of you have been in my same boat, that you had high expectations about something and then it didn't happen in your life. It didn't work out the way you thought it would work out, that that relationship didn't work out, that class didn't work out, that team didn't work out. Your life up to this point is not where you expected it to be. And what it leaves us with is frustrated. It leaves us confused, and it especially gets hard when that expectation is about Jesus, that some of you came in here and you're walking with Jesus. Some of you came in here and you don't even know Jesus. Some of you are considering Jesus. Regardless, you have expectations about who Jesus might be and the role he might play in your life. And it gets very frustrating and very confusing and very scary and very disappointing when our expectations of Jesus are not accurate. Here's the flip side. <clears throat> Have you ever gone to a movie that you knew, like you knew was going to be bad? Like you knew it was going to be terrible? And so what you did, two things happened. One of two things happened. One, you went to the movie, it went beyond your expectations. It was amazing. You're like, that was awesome. That was a lot better than I thought it'd be. Two, you made fun of the movie the whole time and you walked out and you're like, met my expectations, but was hilarious because I expected it to be terrible. And because I expected it to be terrible, I didn't leave frustrated. That in our life, our expectations of things often lead to frustration. In fact, the most common cause of frustration is inaccurate expectations. That inaccurate expectations always cause frustration. That they always cause frustration. And so I wanna, what I hope to accomplish in this series is, is to look at this sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. That's how Christian people know it if you like, speak Bible language. And what it is is Jesus, this guy Jesus, who, who claims and is the Son of God, goes and he's doing ministry and he's healing people and he's serving people and he's, and he's making his name known. And, and the whole Old Testament talks about this guy that would come and he's saying, like, I'm the guy. And then he goes to this mountain and there's people there and they're excited about this guy because he's been healing and everyone likes a good magic show. And so they're, they're there and they're expecting certain things because they've read the Old Testament and they expect him to be a certain kind of person in a certain kind of way. And Jesus begins a sermon where with no filter, he just kind of says it like it's supposed to be said. And he starts to rewrite expectations of those following him. <clears throat> this is how it starts. It says, when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountaintop. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And then he began to teach them saying. So this is how it starts. He goes up to this mountaintop. And there's people there, or up to this like side of a mountain, people there, and he begins to climb the mountain. And it says, those that were following him, if you were here last week, your close friend group, like his close friend group, followed him up the mountain. These people were kind of committed. They were, they were able and, and willing to do like a little bit of work to meet with Jesus and to know Jesus. That I would say some of you here tonight, like you're mountain climbers. You're people who said, no, I, I'll go out of my way 
to spend some time with Jesus. Like, I'll go out of my way. I'll, I'll do a little bit of something to, to hear from Jesus and spend time with Jesus. Some of you spend time in the Word throughout the week, right? You're climbing little mountains every day where you say, man, I will spend a little bit of time with Jesus. But here's the issue. That just because we're spending time with Jesus doesn't mean we're forming right expectations of who Jesus is. Like, doesn't mean, like, just because you came tonight doesn't mean your expectations are correct. See, that was the problem with these dudes is they had big expectations that whoever this guy would be, this Messiah, that he was going to be a popular guy, that he was going to have a lot of influence on their culture and on their government. And they believed that those who followed him would be elevated, that those who followed them would be, be lifted above the rest. That it's, it's, like, it's like if you, you knew Donald Trump, though I'm not saying good or bad about him, but you knew him and you said, man, I'm going to follow him because he has a lot of money and a lot of influence. And where he goes, I get to experience what he gets to experience, right? Like you would cling to that, whether you believed him or not. And that's where they're at. Like they are clinging to this guy and saying, man, he is going to lift us to great places. And Jesus begins this sermon where he says, no, I'm about to rewrite your expectations of my role in this world and in your life. And he begins a sermon and it spans three chapters. We're just going to hit a couple verses. In verse three, he begins. And what you need to know is that they're looking and they're craving blessing. They're looking for blessing. But the one that Jesus calls blessed is oftentimes not who the world sees as blessed. The one Jesus calls as blessed is oftentimes not who the world says is blessed. That, that some of us, we find the best thing and the greatest thing, the thing that means the most to us or will bring us the greatest value or success and we chase after that thing hard. We look for that blessing. If we've got money, we're blessed. If we're doing well in sports, we're blessed. If, if we're healthy, we're blessed. If, if, if everything's going well in our life, we're blessed. And if it's not, we're not blessed. And if we're not, we must have done something wrong. And if, if we're losing our money, my parents lose their job. What's going wrong? What's happening? Why are we not blessed? That it works on the scale of whether we're being blessed or whether, whether God's abandoned us. But often the one who Jesus says is blessed is the world. The world doesn't often say, man, that, yeah, that person is blessed. That he works on a different scale. And this is how he starts. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. This word poor in spirit means to regard your soul as a state of poverty without God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. He says, so he, these guys stand up there and he says, hey, you want to be blessed? Here's what I'm going to tell you. Blessed are you who see something completely lacking without God in your life. Blessed are the poor in spirit. He says, for they will inherit the kingdom of heaven for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. They will experience and see the kingdom of heaven because their trust is in the God of this universe. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those that know they are lacking without God. Some of you are mountain climbing for other reasons. He says, if you're gonna climb the mountain, you better climb it because you realize that without me, and you're missing something huge. And then he goes on and he says, blessed are those who mourn. 
This is not a funeral verse. This isn't a verse like, oh, okay, I'm sad sometimes. I must be blessed. No, no, no. He's saying blessed are those who mourn, like who grieve over their sin. He's talking about spiritual mourning. He says, blessed are those who are broken over their sin for they will be comforted. That we go through a lot of things and we think about how we've been wrong, how people have, have betrayed us. Maybe we have bad relationships. We're like, let's just go to church. Let me be comforted. Let me find comfort here. And I hope you do. I hope you find people that wrap their arms around you, that love you. I hope you know that we love you. But truly to be comforted in the way that Jesus is talking about being comforted is to be broken over your sin. It's to truly realize, man, I did things in this relationship, though I'm broken about it breaking up. I did some terrible things. And I'm broken about it. Man, I lied to my parents and I'm broken about it. I cheated and I'm broken. I talked terrible about someone I know and, I, and I'm broken about it. He says, blessed are those who mourn, who are broken about their sin. He says, for they will be comforted. It's hard for you to come in here and find comfort if you're not truly broken about what you've done. So the question is, man, are you broken about your sin? Or have you hardened your heart? Have you come to a place where at one time you used to really be affected? And now you're like, mm, I've kind of got used to it. I'm kind of over it. I can keep rolling this way. I want to find comfort, but yeah. No, no, he says, man, if you want to be blessed with comfort, you've got to be broken about that, about the things that are not pleasing. And he goes on. He says, blessed are the humble. This word humble, like often we think is weak, but it's not. He more means meek, right? It's, it's not weak, but it's strength under control. I want you to hear that. Humble is strength under control. It's not that you can't do it yourself. It's that you're choosing man, to let something or someone else do it, not to be front and center. You're like, man, I'm humble. I don't, I'm not thinking of myself as better. It's strength I have, but I'm going to control it. He says, for they will inherit the earth. Right? We inherit the earth because we don't need to have it our way. It made me think, like, have you, ever, have you ever had one bike and two people trying to get around? Right? And, and, and this probably happened more when you're in middle school. Now you're just like, yo, get in the car. Why are we taking a bike? But when you're in middle school, right, you had that bike, and, and it was like you or your friend, and you had a bike, and then they either had a, some pegs or you rode on the handlebar, and they pumped you somewhere, right? You're like, bro, can you pump me? And he's like, dude, again? Yes, like, please. And, and here's the beautiful part, right? Like if, if someone had, it didn't matter whose bike it was. If it was my, me and my friend were like, hey, we've both got to get to that gas station to buy some Mountain Dew. Like, how are we going to get there? Like, let's pump. Well, it's like, okay, who weighs more, right? Like who's bigger? And whoever is bigger has to do the pedaling because the, the lighter one can ride and the bigger one pedals. Now here's what's amazing, that if you're the one that gets pumped and you get to ride the pegs, you have no control of where you're going. And let's say you get on there and your buddy happens to be heavier or stronger and they're pedaling you to the gas station and you're riding and you get to the same place. Here's the difference in the experience. is that the person riding the pegs being pumped on the bike got to experience the ride. 
They got to experience the breeze. They got to see what was going on. That's just rain, people. It's okay. Like, it's done it before, I think. And it'll probably do it again later. But I don't want you to miss this. Hey, I don't want you to miss this. This is huge. I need you to see this. That the person on the pegs got to just ride. They didn't have to worry about going up a hill or down a hill. They just got to hold the shoulders. They got to get the breeze in the face and they just got to ride. Where the person on the pedals had to do work. They couldn't concentrate on the things around them. They had to concentrate on that next pedal, that next pedal. They had to concentrate on steering and controlling the bike and not falling over. And it was this hard thing where there two people went to the same place with the same mode of transportation that one rode the pegs and let someone else drive and one decided to drive. And he says, blessed are those who ride the pegs versus those who pedal. He says, for the one who rides the pegs will inherit the, the earth, for the, for the earth is theirs. They get to experience the earth. They are blessed by my creation because they are allowing me to lead them and guide them. The one that chooses the pedals, you're in for a lot of work. You're in for a hard road. He says, man, the one who says, no, I'm going to let him pedal. I'm just going to ride. And I'm going to ride because I trust. See, the thing is, I rode with one friend one time, and then he wrecked us hard. Guess who I never rode again with? Right, that dude. Like You're like, bro, you lost your chances. We're not getting pumped. We're not pump buddies anymore. Like, we are done. But what's beautiful about Jesus is he never wrecks the bike that he is in control. And he says, blessed are the humble who say, man, I'll ride the pegs. I'll let you do the driving. There's some of you in here, <coughs> you're control freaks, that you gotta hold it. You've gotta know it. I've got to get all A's. I've got to get everything right. I've got to go to this school. I've got to have things in my life in order. I don't care if Jesus calls me somewhere else. I don't care if Jesus calls me out of my homework to spend time with him. I'm not doing it if it, if it impacts what I, my plan, what I'm trying to do. I'm riding the pedals. And if everything's okay and the coast looks clear, I might jump on the pegs for a minute. But if he's going to take me down a wrong turn, we're switching seats. He says, man, there's no blessing in that. You're missing it. That Jesus isn't in your life to ride the pegs. And he's in your life to, to ride the pedals. He said, man, I built you to ride the pegs. And then when I take you certain places, man, you would tell people about the ride. And you would tell people about the way that I showed you life. He says, man, that's the humble. They inherit the earth and they're blessed. And then in verse six, and verse six is kind of like the, 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 um, like the summary of the first three. Like it kind of is the outcome or the product or the fruit that, that, that is born out of those he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
If you don't know what that word righteousness means, it just simply means things that are right before God, things that are right, rightness. He says, man, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We hunger and thirst for a lot of things. We hunger and thirst for a lot of things. He says, but man, blessed are the ones who hunger and thirst for the right thing. Because when you hunger and thirst for the right thing, man, you find satisfaction. You find something that fills you. You find something that gives life. He says, man, it is blessed. You are blessed when you realize that without God, you're missing something huge. And you are blessed when, when you're broken over your sin and, and, and realize that, that your sin is ruining the life that Christ has set in front of you. He says, and you are blessed when you then, knowing that you need Jesus and recognizing that your sin is what has been stopping you and what is broken about you, and then you step on the pegs and you allow him to take the pedals. He says, you are blessed. And when you're doing those things, you better believe that you will develop a hunger and an appetite for things that are right before God because you realize that being broken about your sin and needing him and craving him and allowing him to lead you, that it is satisfying and that it fills you up. He says, man, that's where blessing is. Some of you have been looking for blessing in a lot of different places. Man, I will be blessed when I get this, whatever that is, you can label it. When I, when I get that GPA, I'll, be, I'll feel blessed when, when I'm healthy and when everything's going just right. I'll be blessed when I get that boy or that girl of my dreams. I will be blessed when whatever it is. And he says, no, 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 man, blessing comes through me. Blessing comes through choosing Jesus in everything. Man, that is when we are blessed. That means every moment. That means every opportunity to lie, every opportunity to cheat, every opportunity to do something you know is not right, every opportunity to drink, to smoke. Like that is when. We are blessed. He says, man, when you choose Jesus in those moments, you see what they're calling from you. Man, I want to cheat on this test because that's where I'll get my grade. Like if I just do this one time, this one thing. He says, no, 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 that's not blessing. It's blessing when you, when you say, man, okay, I didn't study and I'm going to own up to it like a man or a woman. Like I'm going to own up to it and I'm going to choose Jesus. I'm going to choose the right thing. He says, man, then you begin to experience life. Then you will choose and find blessing. Some of you are in here and you're fighting hard against it. You don't believe that. You don't know that. But I tell you, you will believe it when you meet someone who lives this way. And you see that they're not searching other things, that they're experiencing life, that they know Jesus and they bleed Jesus and they breathe Jesus and everything about them draws you to an attraction of Jesus. Say, man, what's different? Well, they are satisfied because they realize without God they are empty and they're broken about the things that they've done and so they're, not, they're choosing not to do them anymore and they are humble, allowing him to take the petals and they're hungering and thirsting for the things that are right. Says, then you'll see that just because you expect something different doesn't mean it's right. It just means you expect the wrong thing. Says, but Jesus said, man, no, here's where blessing comes. 
And so I challenge you tonight. I challenge you tomorrow. I challenge you when you're alone with that person. I challenge you when that next test comes up. I challenge you when that next party comes up. Man, what are you choosing in that moment? Are you choosing blessing, which only comes from Jesus? Or are you choosing your own route? He says, man, here's the unfiltered truth. Those who choose Jesus are blessed. Those who are blessed are those who have chosen Jesus in everything.